Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Think Now Research Podcast. This is our monthly podcast in which we go over our most recent report. Think Now Research is a culturally integrated market research agency. We integrate Hispanic, African American, and Asian insights into custom market research for companies and government agencies looking to thrive in a changing demographic environment. You can find us on the web at thinknowresearch.com and on Twitter at thinknowtweets. Hello, everyone. My name is Mario Carrasco, and I'm the co-founder and principal of ThinkNow Research. I'm here today with the executive director of the Latino Business Action Network, LBAN, Mark Madrid. Mark, really excited to have you today. Your organization's doing great things in the Latino entrepreneur community. Would love for you to tell me and our listeners more about your background and specifically what you've been doing with LBAN. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm very excited to be here. Anytime we're talking about consumer sentiment related to the Latino community across the United States, I get pumped up. I am the executive director, as you mentioned, and CEO of the Latino Business Action Network. LBAN is our acronym. And we fund research and education impact programs at Stanford University. Well, what does that mean? Well, we focus on three priorities along with Stanford and their Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative, and that's research, education, and then developing a national ecosystem. But it all has to start with research. That's why we're so excited to be on this call, and we applaud your efforts at Think Now Research, because without data, you simply don't have a force. And so our data is centered around Latinx entrepreneurship across the country. Um, I'm a little bit biased, but I think it's the most robust research in the country in terms of continuity coming out of Stanford with Stanford Protocol, talking about the challenges and the opportunities related to Latino entrepreneurship, which we all know, I believe, we all have a sense uh, that it's growing and growing rapidly to match the demographic and uh, we would love to make some correlations to your research. Uh, you know, Latino and Latina entrepreneurship in the States outpaces the general market on average the last 10 or 15 years by 2 to 3x. There also are challenges, though, uh, on the flip side of the coin, that uh, only 2% of our Latino and Latina entrepreneurs are scale, meaning over a million dollars in annual gross revenues. So we're trying really hard around here not just to move the needle forward, but to catapult the needle forward. Well, how do we do that? Well, we target that 2% of top revenue earners across the country to come to Stanford for the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative scaling program. We have 350 entrepreneurs that we've graduated from that program. It's an immersive seven-week experience that's online, but it's bookend by two visits to the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Um, I'm happy that you are one of our graduates of this program, Mario, and we want to see this number of alumni grow. We think it's very significant because when we talk about U.S. Latinos, they're the seventh largest GDP in the world in terms of consumption. And the driving force of this consumption is Latino entrepreneurship. And then our third priority is to develop a national ecosystem with these rock stars, these featuring these 350 entrepreneurs from across the country and layering in uh, capital providers, mentors, and a set of strategic partners 
because we feel this is a, I call it a hashtag American economic imperative. But as far as myself and a quick background, I, I grew up in uh, uh, Texas in a farming community in the Texas panhandle called Friona, Texas. And so um, my parents, they met on the cotton fields, uh, don't come from an inherited uh, wealth base, uh, just had to hustle really hard and muscle through uh, education and try to obtain that and to get out of the small town, and that's exactly what I did. I uh, graduated with an accounting degree uh, from the University of Texas at Austin, started my career on Wall Street. Uh, that was my first job outside of college, and then uh, navigated through the banking uh, industry until I became uh, the number two of a bank in 2007, which collided with the deterioration of, of the American economy with the financial crisis that we had there. So from there, I decided to uh, go into and tap into some personal interest in terms of a servant heart and business mind, and I started my career with the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, eventually uh, became CEO of the Greater Austin Hispanic Chamber of Commerce before taking this national role. Well, thank you so much for sharing your background and the work you do with Elbound. It's really incredible, your story and, and what you're doing, and I'm particularly excited to have you because you pointed out a lot of connections between the Latinx consumer and the Latinx entrepreneur. As you know, a lot of the work, and as, a, as you know, your listeners, a lot of the work that we do is focused almost primarily on consumers. And in the business world, we tend to think of business owners and entrepreneurs in a separate world than consumers, but they're very intimately linked, as you've noticed, because consumers become entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs become uh, consumers. So we're looking forward to your insights on Think Now Pulse. Um, for those of you uh, that would like to follow along, we're going to be going over our Think Now Pulse report where we'll explore total market consumer sentiment for 2018. For those of you who want to follow along with the report, feel free to pause the podcast now. Go to thinknowresearch.com and download so you can follow along. If you don't download, no worries. We'll, we'll do our best to explain the data that we're discussing. Um, and so for those of you who have downloaded, please, let's go ahead and jump right into slide six. Uh, one of the big overall takeaways here, we're coming off of a record economic growth year in 2016. Um, and looking forward to 2017, we asked our respondents, thinking of all the sources of income that contribute to your household compared to this time last year, would you say that your household financial situation has improved stayed the same or worsened. What's nice about Think Now Pulse, the report, is we have five years of data here. In this report, we're going to be focusing on the last three, 2015, 2016, and 2017. And we saw overall, again, coming over this record year, most American household income has stayed the same in 2017. Uh, slightly more consumers report no major shifts in income this year over last but fewer saw a significant improvement in income in 2017 over 2016. Mark, would love your perspective on what you think about this data and uh, in, from a consumer perspective. And also, are you seeing any similarities or differences when it comes to entrepreneurs in terms of revenues or income? I, I think this is fascinating because I am seeing some correlates uh, with entrepreneurship. Uh, I, some 
I mentioned earlier that uh, the revenue base in terms of Latinx entrepreneurs earning over a million dollars in annual revenues is quite small. And although that's a national figure, we've done the research on a regional, regional basis, and it's identical, almost identical in every major pocket of Latinx entrepreneurship in terms of just over 2% uh, being scaled. So I see a lot of um, anticipation for growth, but it mirrors this, I would have to say, from the base of 350 entrepreneurs that we have, is that um, I would say they're slightly optimistic. More to come on that. I think they're still realizing that there has been an economic uptick, but um, I think they want to see if that lasts beyond a, a few years. So this is very powerful research that you have in terms of going back a number of years, and I think this next three years in accordance with the political atmosphere are going to tell us a lot about what uh, to expect the next decade. I think you're right. And we're going to get to a side here where we we ask explicitly about how the political climate affects economy. What, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about is this idea about only a certain and relatively small percentage of Latino entrepreneurs meeting that $1 million revenue uh, threshold. And I think it's great that you all are focusing to move more Latino entrepreneurs. It's interesting because that entrepreneur ceiling, so to speak, for Latinx entrepreneurs, we see that in household incomes. Despite Latinos being more optimistic about the economy, we still have quite a big racial wealth gap. So... I mean, is, is is there a correlation there in terms of consumer and household income and Latino kind of revenue uh, barriers that 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 million mark? And what are some of the things that what are some of the things that Elban is doing to kind of overcome that? Yes, first of all, we do see that disparity. Uh, if you're talking about the wage gap in on, in the entrepreneurship lens, we're seeing a revenue gap that's pretty substantial. And because of the research, we've been able to identify that only 13% nationwide of Latino and Latina business owners tap external sources of funds. In other words, they're relying on friends, family, and savings. So what we're trying to do around here is institute a growth mindset that uh, where Latinx entrepreneurs could be more receptive and open their horizons to tapping external sources of funds whether they're on the traditional sense of, in terms of bank loans, lines of credit, or the alternative financing realm, such as VC funds, angel, family office uh, loans. So we are seeing that disparity. And what I think about all the time is, you know, we're not a rising segment any longer. We're talking about Latino, U.S. Latino consumption. And that comes from the fact that it's an aggregate game right now. It's the sheer numbers. U.S. Latinos, once again, constitute the seventh largest GDP in the world, just past the country of India. And I get a little frustrated and excited at the same time when I see major research institutions still populating U.S. Latinos as the 13th largest GDP in the world. I always have to go up after the presentation and say, you know what, we, we've moved up six, six spots. But I come back to the fact that it's an aggregate game right now. And how how much better would it be, not only for our community, meaning the Latino community, but for all Americans, if the uh, individuals that made up that sum 
could uh, be, uh, we, we could close that gap in terms of individuals with the wages, with the revenues in the entrepreneurial sense. I mean, that could be a game changer, and this country could be so much more economically um, vibrant. So I just wanted to make sure and bring that point across. But yes, to your point, we are seeing those exact trends in terms of disparity on the revenue side when it comes to Latinx entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I, and that's one of my favorite messages of yours, Mark, is is that it's an economic imperative. We, we use that same logic with our clients and potential clients, right? It's not about, you know, it, it, it's, it's something, you know, nice to have in terms of Hispanic marketing or Hispanic outreach efforts or multicultural outreach efforts. It's a business imperative on the business side, right? And this is a large population with with a, a, a large uh, amount of money to spend both on the entrepreneur and business side, on the B2B side, but also the B2B, B2C side. So I love that positioning about it being uh, an economic imperative. And I think you made a great transition um, into our next slide, slide seven, for those of you following along. Um, we looked at that same question that we just looked at in terms of thinking all sources of income that contribute to the household compared to last time, uh, same time last year. And the previous slide, we looked at it from a total market perspective, which means a representative sample of Hispanic, non-Hispanic, African-American, and Asian. And here we're breaking it out by ethnicity. So you can kind of see the differences in terms of uh, sentiment on this particular question. And what we see here on slide seven is Hispanics were the most likely to say that their income improved in 2017. But interestingly, that 35% represented a decrease from 2016, where Hispanics said, 43% of Hispanics said that their incomes improved. Um, on the flip side of that, we see that two in 10 non-Hispanic whites said that their situation worse, worsened. Uh, this was a, the highest of any of the race and ethnic segments. So you get a, a sense of, of comparison. Uh, Mark, what what are your thoughts here? Is, again, is this something that you see kind of mirror on the on the entrepreneur side or any insights on the consumer side? I can tell you from an entrepreneurial lens, the entrepreneurship spirit with Latinx entrepreneurs from across the country, be it from the Northeast, the Southeast, the South, and the Northwest, and of course, the great state of California, it's never been stronger. So this Attitude uh, that I find from our 350 alumni of our Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative scaling program, along with anecdotal evidence and, and really testimony, um, pretty much mirrors what you're saying here. I think that uh, the reflection that I would have in terms of the percentage uh, being a bit higher last year, I would say maybe some political factors go into that reduction. I agree. And, and interestingly, the inverse on that, when we look at two in 10 non-Hispanics white saying their situation worsened, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of speculation in terms of what happened politically in 2016 driven by non-Hispanic white, uh, you know, incomes. And so we kind of see that bear out a little bit in the research as well. So moving on to slide eight, uh, here we're looking at specifically... Um, the question during the past year, 2017, have you or someone in your family had to deal with any of the following? And we looked at loss of job, 
work hours were reduced, work salary was reduced, or none of these. Um, and we saw in 2017, fewer Americans experienced a job loss or reduction of work hours or salary, which is great news. It means that our entrepreneurs are, 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 are keeping those revenues steady. Is that something that you're seeing bearing, bear out in your data as well, Mark? Well, you know, we are very fortunate to collaborate with research juggernauts like yourself and other organizations. And between 2010 and 2016, Hispanics made up 76.4% of the growth in the U.S. labor force. In fact, Hispanics have a higher labor force participation rate than any other demographic at 66.1%. So that uh, way to go on that, because that mirrors what you're uh, showing here from a consumer uh, sentiment point of view and the data that you have on that. So there is definitely a one-to-one correlation uh, in terms of what I'm seeing on the entrepreneurial side and going back to the entrepreneurs that connect the dots to the family unit, the Latino family unit. So it all makes sense to me and it's all in synchrony. I love that. And thank you for tying it back. That is something that I, I pointed out in our blog that our, our data Mirrors, mirrors the Bureau of Labels, La, Labor Statistics data as well. And I, I, I always like to get behind the why, right? Uh, you know, we, we have this data. We know that Latinos are uh, creating more businesses uh, than, than the general population. They're overrepresented in the workforce in terms of growth. And you, t- you, you touched a little bit on the why on the family unit. And I know we touched base about this before the podcast would love to just hear your thoughts anecdotally. Can you talk a little bit about the more about the family unit and how that plays into uh, entrepreneurship and participation in the labor force? Absolutely. I come back to the stump point that I've been trumpeting from the rooftop and the mountaintop that U.S. Latinos constitute the seventh largest GDP in the world. When I think about that, I think of all the rising and aggregate uh, numbers that we have on the Latino side. I've talked a little bit about the Latino entrepreneurship, but I feel like it's connected to the Latino household that's also rising in number, which is connected to the bulging enrollment rates of Latinos and Latinas in K through 12, and now in community colleges and universities. So we see a rise in the educational uh, attainment levels of Latino and Latinas as well. Then we take a look at the millennial group uh, that is very, very uh, a consuming group that's also determining trends in the major market. We're talking about retail and the service industry and technology. So all this combined is the ultimate convergence of economic good when it comes to not only um, our community here, uh, Latino uh, households and Latino entrepreneurship, Latino students, um, everything, but also the American economy. In fact, <laughs> We're spenders, as you know. <laughs> so we are going to continue to drive the economy. We have some work to do in terms of savings and building that wealth, but that's an, another conversation. No, I, I love it. I love it. And, and again, you provided a great segue. Uh, for those of you following on, along, I want to jump a little bit ahead because uh, slide nine talks about the uh, changes in employment in more depth. But since we're almost out of time, I want to jump to Outlook, which is on slide 10. And so we asked respondents to think about their own personal and family finances for 2018 and asked them, which of the following would you say best describes your feelings towards this upcoming 
year, that is 2018. Is it going to be better than 2017? About the same, worse than 2017? And over and, and overall, we see that just under half of consumers are anticipating a better year financially in 2018. This is everyone total market. Um, and this is a, a, a slight drop from 2016, though not statistically significant. This is in line with the conversation that we're having that 2016, we saw a boon, 2017 staying consistent. 2018, it looks like we're we're seeing some some slight optimism, though it's not as big as a jump in 2016. Um, Mark, I know that the the report hasn't been released yet that you all are doing for 2018, but um, but what are you seeing from your perspective in terms of 2018? I mean, are are entrepreneurs anticipating a better year this year? Are they kind of in holding mode or anticipation mode due to the political climate? I mean, what what are your your thoughts here? Well, thank you for the question. And yes, we are very, very excited in terms of what I was talking about and uh, the priorities of LBAN, the Latino Business Action Network, and the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative is we've done uh, a report called the State of Latino Entrepreneurship. We've had two iterations of that report. The next one is coming very, very soon. And in fact, in a couple of weeks on February 7th at Stanford. And so we hope that the whole world listens in uh, on the State of Latino Entrepreneurship. Uh, what I would say is there is an anticipation that things are going to get better overall. Uh, and I would say that's an overall sentiment of the base of entrepreneurs that we've had that represent the top 2% of revenue earners in the country. I would say that there's more opportunities that these entrepreneurs are, are executing on when it comes to procurement and adding that uh, device to their portfolio of revenues. However, when I take a look at the whole uh, aggregate of Latino and Latina um, entrepreneurs across the country, access to capital is a major, major issue. And so we're delving into that in terms of why is that so? How can we be disruptive? Because without capital, there is no growth. Or it, it's very, very tough to be able to get over that million mark, five million, 10 million. And we're certainly cultivating uh, companies to think about being billion dollar companies. So I would say that overall, there's some big challenges and they all center around access to capital, which mirrors could be uh, a correlate to what you're saying here about the anticipation uh, of, uh, of a better year financially when you see that 50 percentile mark. I think that's a very uh, strong correlation to what we're seeing on the entrepreneurship side when it comes to top-scaled firms. I agree with you. I agree with you. And thank you so much for your insights. And believe it or not, that went very quickly. We're already uh, running out of time. I want to give you a little bit of time, Mark, uh, to tell our listeners where we can find you on social media, where we can find Alban, and how do people sign up for the State of Latino Entrepreneurship report release? Absolutely, and thank you for this opportunity. I always love talking about, you know, it's not a, a rising sector. The sector has risen. Seventh largest GDP in the world. Hispanic ownership accounts for 74.9% of the net growth of overall U.S. home ownership. We talked about the labor force. We talked about entrepreneurship. We talked about enrollment in our schools, community colleges, and universities. So, yes, please follow us on Facebook, the Latino Business Action Network, 
Elban, the official page, also on LinkedIn, and on Twitter, hashtag, uh, or our handle there is at LBANSTRONG, L-B-A-N. Keep in mind that one of the words in our acronym and our name is ACTION. <laughs> There's one thing to talk and another to do. So we're not thinkers around here, we're doers. And also on our Facebook page, you can uh, see the information about reserving your spot for the state of Latino entrepreneurship on the campus of Stanford. Um, again, Mario, we're very excited uh, to continue our partnership with you. Very proud of the work that you're doing. This research is absolutely amazing, and it was a great honor to be on your podcast. Thank you so much, Mark. It was it was great having you. Really love your pers- perspective, tying in that consumer entrepreneurship. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Please keep an eye out for our next report coming out in March, Think Now Mobile. We're going to be doing a deep dive into current total market mobile usage, including apps, time spent, and types of content consumed. Thanks again, everybody.